Good morning. It is Thursday, September 7th. It's six minutes after nine. This is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So we've got masks when you feel like it. We've got $5 million for a governor's campaign. And we have polygraph tests. All that is coming up today with Kendall and Casey. In the first hour. In the first hour. We've got a lot to get to. His name is Rob Kendall. My name is Casey Daniels. You can find us both on Twitter. He's at Rob M. Kendall. I'm at Casey Daniels 317. And of course, we're both on YouTube right now. If you type in Kendall and Casey into the YouTube search bar. Can I just say something? What? Coming up later this hour, mm-hmm. Casey is way too modest to ever toot her own horn. And thankfully, I am the least modest person in the entire world, so I will do it for you. Okay. You have an interview with yeah. a lady mm-hmm. who is a polygraph expert. We're yeah. going to play clips from the the, uh, the Larry Sinclair guy from mm-hmm. the Tucker interview last night, and it has come out now apparently that Larry Sinclair did not pass or however they get phraseology. A, Deception a, a, indicated, right, I believe, is yes. what they said. And so you actually have uh, a friend, a Palski, an amigo. A person. Who does this mm-hmm. for a living, actually like Jack Bowers people, where they hook yeah. them up and yeah. inject, you so know. This is, I, I was thinking about this. This is the interesting thing about this interview, because typically, if you watch Fox News or CNN or, I don't know, MSNBC, whatever your channel is of choice, yeah. and they have experts on, typically it's a former. They'll right. say a former. U.S. attorney yeah. or former chief of staff or former, um, you know, general of the army. This is someone who's not former. Yeah. This is someone who is current. So we are going to um, let her keep her anonymity. Did you hook her up to like the voice machine where it sounds like this? No. It's her actual voice. It's her actual How voice. How exciting. And she's, she's going to walk us through what it's like being a federal criminal investigator and administering Holograph this tests. interview, it's later this hour. Stick around. It's absolutely fascinating. You're going to be totally blown away with this. Casey did a phenomenal, phenomenal job. Uh, but that's coming up. Speaking of pathological liars, Joe Biden. <laughs> okay, so the CDC has not announced any new mask mandates, but some schools and businesses, they're, re-inst- they're reinstating the rule anyway. And just a few hours ago, this happened in our neighbors to the north in Canada. The Ottawa Hospital announced that starting September 11th, masking will be required in all their clinical areas and waiting rooms. So it's interesting. I, uh, my wife's mother is a the very distinguished nurse at a prominent Indianapolis location, mm-hmm. and I asked her yesterday. Um, we pawned our kid off on her for a little bit, nice. and so then I asked her after the free babysitting had taken place. Hey, have they said anything to you about masking yet? And yeah. she said. Not at this very prominent Indianapolis hospital for which I work, but she had kind of alluded to, hey, there's a buzz in the air. And, you know, she she was saying of the people that they have had come in so far. Now, this is anecdotal evidence. She said the overwhelming amount of cases of people who have tested positive for covid are not the peasants, the patients themselves, but rather the actual people who work in Mm -hmm. the hospital. Yeah. And it seems like. This is in line with what Tony Kennett described, which is it's a mild inconvenience for most people. It kind of is like you have a cold and then you go about your merry way. Well, how do you put that genie back in the bottle? I mean, at this point, everybody knows what's going on with these masks. We all see it coming. There's this election on the way. Uh, Corinne Jean-Pierre, what, just yesterday, two days ago, said Joe Biden's going to be masking while indoors and around people. 
Except for when he doesn't. Well, it's hypocrisy <laughs> at its finest. Okay, so yesterday, this is just, I mean, the one thing you got to love about Biden is because he doesn't have all his mental faculties anymore <laughs> and because he doesn't know where he's at half the time or whatever, he will do and say things and just let you know, let you in on the secret. And so after this big hullabaloo about Joe Biden's positive, he's going to mask while he's near people. He walks out on stage yesterday, like without a mask on, not like he got up to the podium and removed his mask. He is straight up in a room full of people. He does not put the mask on. He walks up to the podium and says this. Lord, buddy, explain to the press. I've been tested again today. I'm clear across the board. But they keep telling me because this has to be 10 days or something, I got to keep wearing it. But don't tell them I didn't have it on when I walked in. All right. He's joking about it now. And I'd like to know who they are. Okay. I want to play this one more time because I want everybody to hear what we're about to walk through with them about this should, this is so offensive on so many levels. Lord, buddy. Explain to the press. I've been tested again today. I'm clear across the board, but they keep telling me because this has to be 10 days or something, I got to keep wearing it. But don't tell them I didn't have it on when I walked in. All right. Okay. So it's not like he forgot and he gets up to the podium and goes, Oh my gosh, I totally forgot to put this thing on. It's the first thing he does. Mm -hmm. He beelines from whatever room he was in to this podium. And it's the first thing on his mind to make sure you know. So it's he's thinking it through, whatever brain cells he has left. Mm-hmm. He's thinking it through to tell you, hey, I didn't test positive. But I also didn't put this thing on because he knows it's all a joke. Mm-hmm. And it's all a big giant joke to him because the whole thing is a giant joke and everybody knows it. Well, and he says, they. Who are they? <laughs> yeah. Isn't he the president? Uh-huh. Isn't he the one making decisions? Somebody is telling him what to do? He shouldn't be wearing a mask, Casey. You know why? Because he's not sick and he didn't test positive for COVID. He shouldn't be wearing a mask. But they've created this uh, impenetrable level of virtue signaling whereby which any amount of common sense that may intervene into the virtue signaling you are now public enemy number one but yet he walks out there and admits to you i'm not taking this serious Mm -hmm. it doesn't actually work it's not a big deal and i shouldn't have to be doing this period but because i am totally beholden to this lunatic left group of psychopaths well, I guess I, I have I'm to pretend. <laughs> but Sometimes, he's not even, but he's when not it's convenient pretending. for him, yes. only when it's convenient for him. And talking about things that don't work, of course, Joe Biden testing positive for COVID for the second time, despite being double vaccinated and twice boosted. Uh, let's talk about how these vaccines didn't work, and uh, now they're releasing a new one, and and the new one is supposed to work. This one is going to work. Okay, so now let's pivot over to I'm running for governor, and I don't really have any original ideas, so I'm going to totally pander uh, department, and Mike Braun is in the news. So he's introduced a bill to ban federal mask mandates, and this includes domestic air travel, public transit systems, and primary, secondary, 
post-secondary schools. Now, this bill was led by J.D. Vance in Ohio, and Mike Braun is the co-sponsor of this bill, along with uh, Senator Josh Howley and Eric Schmidt. And I'm really curious, is this his... I'll see Curtis Hills, yes. no masking in Indiana, and I will raise you no masking yes. everywhere. Yes, and here's the problem Braun has, is Braun, because he doesn't actually believe this stuff. I mean, think about it. He's been a U.S. senator for five years now, and why didn't he do this before? But because he doesn't actually believe any of this stuff, because don't forget, Mike Braun was the part of the bribe the states to shut down brigade, because he voted for that initial round of... Uh, legalized bribery with this money going to the states so that they could shut society down and and throw money at people. Uh, He doesn't actually believe this stuff. Mike Braun's not a conservative. He, look at his voting record in the Indiana State House. It's egregious. He has had no chance to accomplish anything as a senator, so this stuff doesn't matter. And he got totally caught flat-footed by Curtis Hill, who is actually the only person running for governor right now who has a track record of standing up for liberty and freedom and actually standing up to Eric Holcomb. And he 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 saw how popular Curtis coming out saying, hey, no mass mandates if I'm governor. Well, now he's trying to play catch up. Well, he knows this isn't going to pass. He knows there's no way he's going to get two-thirds majority in the House and Senate because Biden will veto it. And so it's pandering and it's bullcrap. And this is what Braun is, and he's a guy who's accomplished absolutely nothing as a U.S. senator, and his accomplishments in the House are tax increases and more government when he was in the Indiana General Assembly, and so he hopes you're stupid enough to believe he actually cares about you being forced to wear a mask. So, John, uh, J.D. Vance said that if they say mask mandates are not coming back, then they should all go to the Senate floor and vote on it and make it bipartisan. By the way, it's called the Freedom to Breathe Act. Oh, of course it is, Casey. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, they're saying that it would prohibit all of these people or, or all of these businesses, air carriers and transit authorities and even educational institutions from refusing service to individuals who choose not to wear a mask. And, so, and I'm, not, I'm not saying this is a bad idea. I'm saying, why didn't you do it when you had the opportunity, I don't know, during the debt ceiling or when you actually had the ability to institute policy into bills or whatever that might become the law. He knows this isn't going to pass, and he's doing this because Curtis Hill owned the day, and if mask or vaccine mandates are your thing, clearly Curtis Hill is the leader in the clubhouse on that, and I think somebody's scared, Casey. (laughs) Somebody's trying to, me too, me too. All right, we mentioned $5 million for a governor's campaign, and that is on the way from 93 WIBC. What have you done for the past 21 days? It is Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC at 921. 21 days. That's how long it took him to catch up, not only in terms of cash, but also staff. We're talking about Brad Chambers, who is running for governor for the great state of Indiana. So Brad Chambers, he is uh, dubbed on this show uh, professional errand boy, because that's what he spent the last years doing, being Eric Holcomb's professional errand boy, heading the IEDC. And for those of you who don't know how that works, uh, Brad Chambers is a super rich, very connected individual. Uh And he is, as the head of the IEDC, he has taken your money, money from poor and middle class people. Now, in fairness, the General Assembly took it. Uh, He is just basically spending it and cobbling it together. So he is using money from poor and middle class people to facilitate 
as a rich, uber-connected guy, sweetheart deals and benefits for other rich, very well-connected people and corporations. And so he is Holcomb's personal errand boy. Holcomb is taking your money and helping his elitist donor lobbyist Palski friends. And Chambers was the, the point guy on that. And so as a very rich, connected person, he is uh, loaning, and we'll get to that in a second, mm-hmm. very important to realize, he is loaning himself $5 million because, well, who doesn't just have, what regular person, Casey, what person who is one amongst the people doesn't have a cool five mil just laying around to play mm-hmm. politics with. Well, am I sure. right or am yeah. I right? Yeah, yeah. I mean, he's he's the founder and CEO of a Indianapolis-based real estate investment firm called Buckingham Companies. And as you mentioned, he's giving a loan to his campaign of five million dollars. I was curious yesterday when this came out. How does some? How does he have five million dollars just hanging out? Well, he's a super rich, totally out of touch uber connected person thus why Holcomb picked him to head the IEDC and this is what people need to understand about Eric Doden too Eric Doden was Brad Chambers before Brad Chambers was Brad Chambers and if you look at who the two rich guys are in the race who are spending infinite of their own money or in the case of Doden his daddy gave him $600,000 we can't forget that these people are not about you these people do not understand your life they do not understand your plight they're not interested in helping you you don't spend this amount of money or have this money uh, able to spend if you're connected to regular people and and Eric Doden was a super rich connected person who under Mike Pence helped super rich connected people and now that has gone to Brad Chambers and now Chambers has stepped aside to run for governor. Now, here's what's very important because the MO on a guy like Chambers giving himself 5 million. Well, gosh darn it, Casey, he loves the state of Indiana so much that he's willing to use his own fortune to, you know, plow a better path for Hoosiers bull. And we'll get to how this is playing out in just a second. But he is loaning himself the money, which what that means, and this is all legal and above board, but we're just telling you how it's going to operate, is his plan is he is going to win this primary with his infinite money. He's going to legally buy an election, just like Mike Braun did the U.S. Senate seat in 2018. And then as soon as he is elected or is the Republican nominee for uh, president, for governor, Mm -hmm. he's going to go to his rich donor lobbyist friends, many of which he has benefited, et cetera, as the head of the IEDC. And he's going to go, I'm not spending my own money on this. I'm going to need a sizable donation to the honorarium. Mm -hmm. And these rich connected people who he has helped for years will replenish those coffers so Brad Chambers will legally try to buy himself through a primary and then get all of that money back from the people he has taken your money to help facilitate sweetheart real estate deals etc for as the head of the IEDC. Okay so he launched his bid on August 17th just 21 days ago keep in mind and he collected $535,000 in donations and then he kicked in his own $5 million so at this point he's up to Five million five hundred thirty-five thousand dollars, which puts him financially even, or in many yes. cases ahead of his competitors, Mike Braun, Suzanne Crouch, Eric Doden, and way ahead, well ahead of Curtis Hill, who apparently has raised about a hundred thousand dollars. We're going to find out, Casey, and I think we found out pretty quick. But in case people need a reminder, how powerful this radio show is, because in about one week, 
look at what we did to old silent Suzanne to the point where she felt she had to come out with this ridiculous uh, axe the, ax the tax, which has also been shredded. Mm-hmm. And that was totally in response. And they all listen. And we uh, are we move the needle here. And so we're going to start talking to you about Brad Chambers and who he is the same way we did Suzanne Crouch, because this guy is bad news. This dude is dangerous for the state of Indiana. And if you need any, 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 any further evidence, Exhibit A, Your Honor. Look at who's calling the shots. Dun da da da. Kyle Hupfer mm-hmm, is the man in charge yep. of Brad Chambers' campaign. You people better wake the hell up, and you better show up and vote and vote right in that primary next year because we cannot afford four more years of the Holcomb and Hupfer goon squad running this state into the dirt. Brad Chambers, eh-eh. Silent Suzanne, eh-eh. Eric Doden, eh-eh. You've got a chance to do something about it next spring, but you better wake up and you better pay attention and you better get involved because there's a lot of really bad actors who want to keep ruining the state. Okay, well, let's just uh, point out how deep the tentacles go into his campaign. He has named former Indiana GOP chairman Kyle Hupford as his campaign chairman. Mm. Matt Huckleby, who is the state party's former executive director, is also a campaign manager. And former Indiana GOP spokesperson, Luke Thomas, is also going to be working for his campaign. So these are a lot of establishment people. You have to pay attention to who has the money and who has the message. It's like the GOP axis of evil has a line behind this guy. (laughs) And boy, Casey, you want to talk about these people. Yeah, that's funny card, darling. You can laugh at that. That's good stuff right there. You want to talk about people who are totally in it for themselves and don't care about you at all and are totally willing to put their thumb on your entire existence. That is the dream team of awful that professional Aaron boy Brad Chambers has assembled. All right. Speaking of... uh, Kurt, we've got the news coming up, and we're going to hear some clips from the Larry Sinclair and Tucker extravaganza coming up next on 93 WIBC. Well, he gave me the ick factor. I don't know about you. It is 933 with Kendall and Casey on 93 WIBC. So Tucker Carlson released his interview with Larry Sinclair. Larry Sinclair is the man who claims to have had sexual relations with and smoked crack with Barack Obama. I love that Casey was like, oh, this guy, he's he's a little kind of just gave me the ick factor. I was like, you mean the drifter, weirdo, crack-smoking, random sexual encounter guy who yeah. wasn't really doing it for you, Casey? Yeah, what? yeah. <laughs> there was a big ick factor there. It's not the first time he's come out with these allegations. Uh, he first was talking about them all the way back in June of 2008. All right, so we do have a little bit of audio. So here is Larry Sinclair with Tucker last night describing his first encounter with Obama where they're snorting cocaine and he's He's doing stuff with him. I start to put a line on a, on a CD tray, and I just happen to notice that he pulls something else out of his pocket. And next thing I know, he's got a little pipe and he's smoking. So I don't have an issue with it. I mean, some people smoke, some people snort. Smoking the cocaine. Yes. So as I'm doing a line, I just start. This is the part where you you know you kind of make your move to to see where things are going. So I just started rubbing my hand along his thigh to see where it was going, and it went the direction I had intended it to go. Um, 
So the night became somewhat active sexually and drug-wise in the limo. Um, so you hit on him. Did he seem shocked by that? Not at all. Yeah. I mean, if you're smoking crack with a stranger in the back of a limo, like, you got to imagine things are like go crazy places. Well, not only imagine it, I look at it this way. I, look, I've done a lot of crazy things in my lifetime. I'm a pretty good judge of character, and I pretty much know whether or not I can move in a certain direction with an individual. I didn't feel that I was going in the wrong direction. I just wasn't so sure how much I could trust the individual right. at, at first. Um, and that was probably one of my bigger concerns. But the fact that I was already becoming somewhat buzzed, eh, you kind of throw caution to the wind. All right. My favorite part of that was at the beginning where he, he goes, you know, crack. Some people snort it. Some people smoke it. I, I see Kev just nodding. like. <laughs> <laughs> He said he's a judge of care, a good judge of character, except for maybe when he looks in the mirror. Okay, so let's move on. Here he describes his sexual, his second. Let me start over. This is Larry Sinclair. I mean, this this whole clip it's got this me all worked thing up. Is so ridiculous. It's, it's ick. Uh, he's describing his second <laughs> sexual encounter with Obama after having one the night before. I got dropped off. They left. Uh, the next day was somewhat interesting because he ends up showing up at my hotel room, which I thought was somewhat weird, but... He wanted some more. Mm -hmm. So when you say he showed up, he just... He showed up. I mean, I had no warning. I was in the room. There's a knock on the door. I open the door and he's standing there. And he's standing there with more coke, and he comes in, and it was just like a quick, you know, rehash or rerun from the night before. Exact same program. Exact same program. Was he smoking again? Yep. So Barack Obama smokes crack, and then you perform yep. all sex on him. And the, like I said, the only reason I had come out in about it is I had reached out to the campaign even in 2007 only because I saw all these kids getting excited about it. Okay, wait, just, so how did that end? Like Same way. So you get off, you finish smoking, you leave. Like, thanks, bye? Mm-hmm. Huh. What did you think of him? I thought he was interesting. Uh, I thought he was definitely a con, but... What do you mean by that? Well... In my life at that point, you had, you you made it clear. I had already been around. Yeah, big time. Yeah. So you know when people are doing things because they actually really enjoy it or they're sincere or they're looking, you know, for yeah. a connection or they're doing something because they're looking for an in or they're looking for a hook or it's a game. Yeah. Uh, so for me... I felt that it was a game for him. It, it was like, okay, what am I going to get out of it? Or is there something I can get out of it other than just, you know, the sexual part? Right. And lucky for me, I wasn't going back to Chicago anytime soon. So it really didn't matter. So you were left with a bad taste in your mouth? Uh, something. Yeah. <laughs> Tucker totally Tucker's reactions throughout the whole mm -hmm. thing. 
I know he's not eligible for a, a Emmy or whatever because he's not on like technical TV. Mm-hmm. But Tucker Carlson is an A plus phenomenal performer. His reactions to this whole interview. Just give him all the awards. Okay, so why is this a story? Well, I think it just points out the hypocrisy of the liberals in the media because when it comes to Trump, everything, his partners, his marital issues, it's all news for years. Obama's are hidden, and it's no big deal, and it just lets you know how they operate. All right. There's a lot of hypocrisy going on here. Is is Larry Sinclair telling the truth? He took a lie detector right. test, and apparently he failed that. Well, what they, it's not pass fail. Well, they call it fail, but it's there's what do they call it? Like levels of deception, right? No, what this guy is deceptive? No way. Well, if you want something stolen, go to a thief, right? Is he telling the truth? Hard to tell. Uh, but we we thought, hey, you know what? When it comes to this polygraph, we're going to get an expert to help us walk oh, through it. Yes, and we've got a federal criminal investigator. Yeah current one so we're just going to call her clarence because she still has clearance oh i like that clarence i like that uh she's also a polygraph expert and uh we're going to talk about that lie detector test would you pass one we'll find out coming up with kendall and casey (laughs) on 93 wibc show. My name is Casey. Rob is here. And, you know, we've been talking about this situation with Larry Sinclair, how he has come out and he has said that he gave $250 to Barack Obama to go buy cocaine and how Barack Obama was smoking crack. And Larry Sinclair claims that he performed oral sex on Barack Obama. And now there's this interview with Larry Sinclair on Tucker on X. And it's come out during all of this that at one point, WhiteHouse.com, not .gov, .com, offered Larry Sinclair $100,000 to take a polygraph test, a lie detector test. And he did do that. He took the polygraph test. He actually challenged Barack Obama to take one as well, which I believe he has not done. But in the polygraph test, it was indicated deception. So I thought, okay, let's get an expert on polygraphs. And lo and behold, we have a guy, or in this case, a girl. And I would love to introduce you, but unfortunately, we can't do that, can we? I don't believe we can. And why is it that we can't uh, tell everybody who we're talking to? So essentially, I'm still in uh, working with the federal government. I have a background in federal law enforcement, and I have to keep my identity um, sort of undercover due to the type of work and the cases that I still work and the agencies that I work for. Okay, but you are an expert in polygraphs, is that correct? I am. I am. So I started my career back in 2010 in federal law enforcement, and 
in 2014, I actually went to the Federal Polygraph School, which is approximately four months. It's a master's program, and we get our graduate study, our certificate in graduate study. Um, worked all types of cases from counterterrorism to counterintelligence, criminal operations and investigations. Um, I conducted the pre-employment or the full-scope lifestyle polygraphs that you hear about. I've worked in Internet crimes against children. I've worked in overseas operations and investigations. And about three years ago, I left my agency to go out on my own. And now I do consulting and run exams for the greater federal government. So that's mm-hmm. sort of my background. And I would consider myself a SME in polygraph, yes. So here's the question. What do you look at when you're conducting a polygraph test? It's not what we see on TV, is it? Not, not at all. In fact, I have a very difficult time watching polygraph portrayed on television. Um, it, it's, And I think most people that you know come into my room and that I polygraph, they find it extremely different than what they see on television. Um, so kind of setting up, if this were my case, and I would consider this sort of a, a criminal type of case, or that's how I would kind of look at it, I would look at the case facts first. So you could sort of look at the case facts, get all of that laid out. And then one of the biggest things that we look for, we call it test question construction. Mm -hmm. And that's probably one of the most difficult parts of our job. And so essentially what that means is you have to look at the case facts and come up with questions that the, we'll call it examinee, the person taking the test, they are not able to rationalize out of. And in my experience, when I've looked at um, former polygraphs and I've consulted on some cases, sometimes the examiners, maybe they're not as experienced or don't have as much experience in polygraphs. The questions are not constructed correctly, and there is some wiggle room to to get out of them. Um, so that's the first thing that we look at. We want to make sure that we have good questions and that they're not able to rationalize out of them. So Larry Sinclair, who was on the Tucker show, this is the guy who's claiming that uh, he smoked crack with Barack Obama back in 1999. He also performed oral sex on Barack Obama. He took a polygraph test. And you said that you can't wiggle out of these things. It's, it's not like a uh, science episode. It's not a lie if you believe it. Is Do people think they can lie their way out of a polygraph or, or they can pass it if they just convince themselves that they're telling the truth? Yes. You would be surprised the individuals that actually have committed terrible crimes, that they are so arrogant and um, so full of themselves that they do think that they can pass it. So I used to teach polygraph as well to some other federal agencies out there, kind of a polygraph 101 course. And essentially, I described polygraph as a tool. Polygraph is a tool to gather more information or to gain a confession. However, the polygraph is only as good as its operator. Mm. And I would compare it to um, like my husband's drill. Now, the drill, it's a fantastic drill. When I try to use the drill, I don't do really well with it. 
Now, it doesn't mean the drill is bad. It just means I'm not a really good operator. So the polygraph is only as good as its operator. Okay, so you're talking about the operator of the polygraph test. And this all comes down because we're trying to figure out if Larry Sinclair is telling the truth or not. And he was administered this polygraph test years ago. And the person who did it was Edward Gelb. And this guy, uh, he used to be the president of the American Polygraph Association. He was the chairman of the board. He's done many nationally seen polygraph tests on Entertainment Tonight, Geraldo Rivera, CNN, Larry King Live. Uh, But he did claim that he had a Ph.D. in front of the Supreme Court at one point, and it has been revealed that he never earned a doctoral degree from any accredited university. So in this case, do we believe the guy who was given the polygraph, or do we believe the guy who was administering the polygraph? Great questions, right? And and I certainly don't know Edward Gelb's complete background. Um, I do find it a little interesting that he claimed to have a PhD and didn't have one. So that's my first point that kind of makes me scratch my head a little bit. And maybe this is not such a great operator of the polygraph. Um, and I'm not certain what school he graduated from. It, from sort of looking at his background, it looked like he maybe attended, you know, a state polygraph school. Um, but it doesn't appear to me that he went to a federal the Federal Polygraph School, which we refer to as the Harvard of Polygraph School. Mm-hmm. Here's why this is important. A federal polygraph examiner is, we go to almost a full uh, four-month course. We live there for four months, and we have to get continuing education hours, um, 80 hours every two years. So we have to keep up on those. We are governed very um, strictly by by guidelines and policies. We have second-level quality control measures in place. Um, so we are highly governed. Now, a local law enforcement or someone who goes to just a state polygraph school, if they want to become a federal polygraph examiner, they have to go all the way back through our school as well to become a federal polygraph examiner. So that sort of gives you a little bit of an indication as to how highly trained we are compared to the state schools or um, some local law enforcement. Not to say there aren't some great examiners out there. I just know our procedures, our policies are really governed and we are highly trained on all of this. We get, and the continuing education, um, you know, is in the different techniques out there. And a lot of times these other individuals are not kept up on the latest things and don't have that continuing education that it takes um, to conduct these. So his background is questionable to me, for sure. Okay, so when Larry Sinclair, who is the guy who is saying that he smoked crack cocaine with Barack Obama and performed oral sex on him, and it is the subject of the latest uh, Tucker Carlson show on X, formerly Twitter, he his polygraph test says that it indicated deception. What does Mm -hmm. that say to you? Okay. So we use the words. um, So there are three types of results you can get from a polygraph. One would be deception indicated. And that means that this person failed the exam. In layman's terms, that means you failed the exam. Mm -hmm. The other way it could go would be no deception indicated. That means you passed the polygraph. Mm -hmm. Again, in layman's terms. Now, there's this area that we call... um, no, um, no opinion 
or inconclusive, um, that would mean that the examiner could not get the examinee to go one way or the other. Now, that means we didn't do our jobs as examiners. That's where we don't want to go in a criminal exam or a specific issue exam, what we would call this specific issue. Um, so for me, hearing deception indicated would mean he failed the polygraph. So that means that he lied, right? Correct. Okay. When we're watching and hearing about Larry Sinclair and his claims about Barack Obama, we just have to know that he was given a polygraph. He was paid to do it, but he failed it, which means he lied at some point during the test. So that, that's what I'm seeing. That's that's the reporting that I'm seeing. Now, let me play devil's advocate over mm-hmm. here. Yeah. Depending on the um, examiner who conducted the examination, their experience, their background, their credentials, the questions they asked. I could not give a good answer to you unless I actually saw the results of the polygraph, the charts. We call them the charts. Mm -hmm. I saw the questions that were asked, and I saw the examiner's credentials. That's when I could give my professional opinion as if this would be credible results or that, yes, we can really count on this. And I will tell you, the polygraph is high. Highly reliable. I would say probably 85% reliable when you have a good examiner and someone that is very experienced conducting the exam. We have a federal polygraph examiner on the line with us and would love to identify her, but we cannot do that at this point. Last question for you. Uh, What do you say to people who say that polygraph tests are junk science? Yeah, I, I, I... That's a tough question. Uh, I'll tell you, it's and, and it, it, it insult. It's very insulting, especially mm-hmm. if they they knew our background and what we go through and the training. And it really is a science. And I would say, be open minded. I've had skeptics talk to me, and after I go over everything with them and talk to them about a science and their physiology and all the things that we look at, they are. I think their minds are are definitely changed. So be open minded. These polygraphs work when you have a good polygraph examiner, especially highly trained federal polygraph examiners. Trust the process. Trust the charts. Um, be open-minded. It, it's not trash science. It's people who kind of go out there and bash polygraph are the ones that maybe didn't get their dream job or they sat in the chair and they actually had something to hide and they didn't do well. So they love to go out there and bash polygraph. They have some sort of ax to grind. So I say, you know, talk to a federal polygraph examiner, ask questions, mm-hmm. uh, don't dismiss it as junk science. I will tell you, I've spent my entire career, I believe in it wholeheartedly. Um, I've gotten some great confessions um, on some major cases, um, and I've also cleared people's names, which is a, uh, a great day for me as well. So. This is all fascinating stuff. Thank you so much for joining us today. We really appreciate your time, and uh, I guess it's interesting uh you know, when it comes to this Larry Sinclair claims, uh, what you want to believe, just uh, look through all of it. It is Kendall and Casey. It's 93 WIBC.